0: Tomorrow The Flood From There Is Nothing To Fear By Santisside Read by Sam Gabriel Based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 1 Albus Dumbledore Full of Wounds This is what it is like to be Albus Dumbledore. Most of your time has been spent beyond death, beyond pain, beyond a body. But if you had to resort to metaphor, then you might describe your usual circumstances as a sort of floating amid an ocean of souls, except that the barrier between yourself and all other things is thin and tenuously permeable. In some sense, you are that ocean. "'Even as you are floating upon it, you know and you are known, "'and at last you can view yourself and all your mistakes "'with the compassion that you strove to afford for others. "'Your sister is there and you are forgiven. "'Your mother is there and you are forgiven. "'Your father is there and you are forgiven, and so is he. "'Gellert is absent.' but you neither appreciate nor resent this fact, when he arrives, as everyone eventually arrives, you will look upon each other with new eyes and you will forgive each other. Because there, in the life after life, it is impossible to see anyone except as they really are, beyond the petty, silly limitations of their mortal frames. Like a molting insect, the dead matter has all been discarded and there is only a beautiful new form beyond form. You are at peace in this place. But despite the feeling that you are beyond time itself, as though all moments are as permeable to each other as souls themselves, you nevertheless experience a discontinuity. As you have experienced discontinuity on other occasions, and you experience as you have just now experienced— a widening, deepening loss as though the whole world is being pulled away from you, like a fish yanked skyward by a violent iron hook. All too quickly, you are simply Albus, still unembodied but newly limited, cold as though you had been pulled from the embrace of the sun, scarcely able to remember that other existence except as the shadow of a wisp of a dream.' Even if you knew nothing of the purpose for which you had been brought back to this half-life, you would be pained by this transition, but you know full well why you have been summoned, and by whom. You open your eyes, and behold your kidnapper. His face is a moon with a crater where his left eye ought to be, and his right arm terminates sharply just above its missing elbow. There is a mask on the table between you, broken and stained with blood and neem. And the fingers of his remaining hand are contorted around the golden ring and black stone that they had just finished twisting. Sprawled across part of the desk like a puddle of silk and silver is an invisibility cloak, obviously of fine manufacture. The Elder Wand is nowhere to be seen. But if the state of his arm is anything to go by, then... You could make an educated guess why that might be. Have you been having trouble, Tom? He breathes in, holds it, exhales. I was attacked tonight. You could refuse to assist him, and you may well try, but you know how this will end. It's almost impossible to not think about an interesting problem... And the only time that Riddle doesn't bring you an interesting problem is when he brings you a problem that you cannot in good conscience refuse. Trouble with students, for example, or political dilemmas. Sometimes you feel compelled to advise Riddle lest he fall upon a more terrible solution for lack of your input. "'How do you think I could help you with that?' you ask. And he tells you that the Aura Aurorium are still alive." From the beginning to the end he relates the whole story of their assassination attempt, sparing none of the goriest details. He has never been brought closer to death, and even the lucky triumph of acquiring an invisibility cloak only underscores the slightness of his victory. He lost an arm and lost the Elder Wand, and did not withdraw so much as retreat." The most curious thing is that the Death Stick resisted any attempt to harm Moody, Riddle says. You look carefully at Riddle, understanding what he means to imply. But you are the one's master, you say. You defeated me. Perhaps I am, he replies. But under the circumstances, it is worth considering whether you were not its master at that time. You had some sort of plot in mind when I killed you? That's true, for what it's worth, but even you don't know what your plan entailed. Tom says that you were obliviated of the knowledge, but you don't quite believe him. Ariana is whole among the dead. Shouldn't you be whole as well? But perhaps the dead are only whole among the dead, "'and you are ignorant in this moment "'because you have been returned to the world of the living.' "'I might expect this if Alistair were its master, "'but I cannot imagine how we would have arranged that. "'The Elder Wand must be taken. "'It will not permit itself to be handed over.' "'Avril Bonkadaf had given it to her son Benoit in 1753, "'and Benoit died that weekend.' Legend spoke of other ill-fated beneficiaries, but none of them had been spread across seventy square feet of the Avenue des Champs-Élysées, and if anyone else had dared to defy the Benoit curse since then, they had not entered into that pool of rumors, folklore, and hag's tales which optimistic seekers described as lore. Chief among the reasons that the Elder Wand has never been outmatched by another wand is that no one since Antioch has wanted to craft a wand with such a strong personality. Alistair might have taken the initiative, you continued. Perhaps he devised the idea on his own, and then we could have carried out the plan after he disarmed me. Perhaps, Riddle echoes. But you can tell from the tone of his voice that his attention is elsewhere. And there is another thing in need of explanation. The reappearance of James Potter. He can't really be James— He's too young to be, even if James had been put to some sort of everlasting slumber rather than killed. That had roused your curiosity as well when Riddle came to that point in his story. You haven't found a secret sibling since my death, have you? Flemont and Euphemia were barely able to produce one son. Had either of them had another child, neither would have been able to keep it a secret, Riddle says, and you have to agree. Charles and Dorea had only one son, "'and Ralph took more after the blacks, if I remember correctly.' "'I'm sure that you do,' you say, "'but the assurance doesn't seem to affect him.' "'What about Charles and Dorea's daughters?' "'Agnes, Alice, and Henriette are accounted for, "'along with their children,' he tells you. "'You almost ask how he knows this kind of minutiae offhand, "'but he's the headmaster of Hogwarts and... Whatever his many faults, he's proven attentive to the children, if not to all of their needs. Mabel is well, after a fashion. She died in some kind of extravagant brewing accident, along with the rest of the Moss family. But this was several years after the partition was laid, and regardless, none of the Mosses looked particularly like James. Hair can last for decades under the right conditions, even without magic. I would have had the opportunity to take a few of his hairs while James was my student, but I don't remember doing so. Now I don't imagine that you would remember that, he says. And the ghost of a smile passes across his face. But Polyjuice... The idea is interesting. Is it really? Alistair could have arranged to get some hairs, I admit. If this other James looks as young as you say... "'then this would have been before Sirius became an Auror. "'And I'm quite certain that I would have noticed "'if Alistair came to Hogwarts. "'But he could have entered Paddock House just by asking. "'But I don't know what Alistair might have been trying to do. "'So far as I can tell, you weren't meant to see this, James, "'and in the cemetery his presence only helped you.' "'Riddle doesn't respond immediately.' I think that if I asked through the right channels, someone at Durmstrang might know something about a boy who matches his description, he eventually says. A boy who comes from a family of no great importance, British refugees, or immigrants from Insular Holland. A boy about fifteen years old, given the available dates. His eye narrows. And he would be friends with Victor Crumb. "'and with another student named Dmitri Polyakov, "'who would be the sort of boy that people tend to ignore, "'an intentional fool whose eccentricities would be overlooked "'because he is already eccentric.' "'But James died sixteen years ago,' you point out. "'He had no lovers at the time, and even if he had, "'you would know of them. "'They could not have been one of my people "'because James would have had nothing to do with them.' And if they had been yours, then they would not have fled Britain and put their son in Durmstrang. Then James did not die when we thought. But the Lestranges killed him in 1979. You have encountered him in the afterlife. He is at peace, like all the dead. I would be certain of that if I were you, yes, but I am not. But I did see it for myself in their memories. Then James is dead, you say. There must be another explanation, a complicated plot by Alistair. You like puzzles better when they've been solved, so you do feel a little frustrated that you can't untangle the weave that Alistair has woven, but you're glad as well. Riddle is surely more frustrated than you are. I told you that the boy had an invisibility cloak... "'What I did not tell you is that he had the clerk. "'It couldn't be, you think, but Riddle has no reason to lie, "'and it's hard to believe that he would misidentify a hallow.' "'Then Alistair stole it. "'He intends for you to think that James Potter is alive somehow,' you say. Though you can't see what Alistair intends to gain from that. "'No. "'If not for the boy, if not for the cloak. "'I probably would have died tonight. "'But if the the strangers did not kill James Potter—' "'His face is alight with the spark of revelation. "'If they did not kill him, "'then their memories were falsified. "'And if their memories were falsified, "'then I would have noticed,' he says, "'as simply as if he were remarking on the colour of the sky.' You don't think of correcting him. Arrogance is occasionally justified. This is one of those times. If I don't remember a deception, then I didn't want to remember it. Oh, he says. It's a hollow sort of sound. He turns to the empty dog bed in the corner of his office, then back to you. I killed him, didn't I? I dare not forget this time, either, or we'll have this conversation every night, while I draw the same conclusion anew. I don't think that Alistair sacrificed his victory in order to prick your conscience, you say. But Riddle, sorting through a chest of vials from a locked cabinet, is only half listening. I've chosen to forget many things, he explains, with a silver-filled vial in his hand. "'But I don't forget without making it possible to remember.' "'Riddle tips the vial, pouring neem into his, your, pensive, "'and dips his head therein. "'The moment stretches on, but you are patient. "'Finally, Riddle lifts his head away from the silver pool. "'I made a mistake,' he says. "'You have made many mistakes.' "'Killing an innocent man and his parents is more than a mistake.' "'I'm not referring to that. "'I believed at the time that the situation was unsalvageable, "'and I know nothing now to suggest that I was wrong. "'But I didn't go far enough to confirm that James had died. "'I believed that he was dead. "'I set his mark afire that night, and that ought to have been enough. "'But he lived.' "'at least long enough to father a son,' he says. "'I can think of only one person "'who might have been able to keep him alive "'for any practically useful length of time,' he says. "'And you immediately know who he's talking about.' "'I didn't save James,' you say honestly. "'Riddle smiles, amused. "'Be clearer. "'You do not remember saving James?' Merely being unable to remember an event does not mean that it did not happen. Do you think I was obliviated of this, too? How many memories do you think Alistair removed before I left for Hogwarts? He glances away as if he were truly considering the question. I am beginning to think that you never left for Hogwarts at all. When has that ever been in doubt, you ask? How could you be dead if Riddle hadn't killed you? How could Riddle remember killing you if you weren't dead? I did say that you were not in possession of all the facts. His smile has returned. Albus Dumbledore is not necessarily dead. He may be. I am beginning to think otherwise, as I said, but that is neither here nor there, because you are not Albus Dumbledore. Who am I supposed to be? Alistair. Riddle doesn't reply immediately, and you shake your head. I don't know everything that is possible today, but when I died, it would have been impossible to fabricate as many memories, as deeply as I remember them, in the little time that we had at the Ministry. Even if false memories persisted after death, I could not have them. But help us, he says. You never died. "'How could you die? "'You were never alive. "'You are at an uncharacteristic loss for words.' "'He sighs a little, "'but the smile returns almost as quickly as it faded. "'You think that the Resurrection Stone "'summons the dead for my interrogation. "'Of course you do. "'Everyone does. I did. "'But the truth is more complicated.' "'You might enjoy a drink for these,' Riddle says. "'And without so much as a snap of his fingers, "'a glass of lemon squash appears behind your right hand, "'floating close enough that you can feel the rim "'against the back of your fingers. "'You look back at him. "'How did you conjure it so freely, "'and in a form that I can touch?' "'No matter what he has said, you are dead.' Even sitting in this chair is more a matter of appearing to sit like any ghost could do. Pretend that it's the ghost of a drink, if that makes it easier for you, Riddle suggests. While you drink or not, I have a story. When I loosed a dragon on London fifteen years ago, it helped me in several ways. Even some which I couldn't have predicted at the time... The most important thing that I planned for, however, was the evacuation of the Ministry. You are aware of this already, of course. You were sure that his hands had been involved, and sure that there was something deeper, though it was a black pit whose bottom you could never see. What did you do there? Augie was kind enough to stay behind and let me into the Department of Mistress, along with an expendable acquaintance of ours who was willing to take part in an unconventional experiment. While we were there, I performed a few experiments. You see, the Resurrection Stone had a troubling shortcoming. It was very hard to learn anything new from the shades that I summoned. Perhaps Cadmus Peveril imposed an interdict upon the stone's powers— the possibility had occurred to you when Riddle failed to demonstrate powers that had been lost to time, but would still be known to the ancient dead. It would have been wise for Cadmus to do so, and you are grateful to him if that is the case, although the question beckons. If that is the case, then why are you unable to conceal anything from Riddle? Or having passed beyond the veil, Perhaps they are simply beyond your power to bribe and threaten... Griddle shakes his head. I considered those things, but no. He pauses. The Death Stick and the Cloak of Invisibility are not unique artifacts. They are superior specimens, to be sure. But there are lesser counterparts to them in the world. In retrospect, it was strange to think that the Resurrection Stone would be any different. Then what is it? He smiles grimly. Pensives always extrapolate a little, filling in the gaps that you couldn't notice and can't recall. The Resurrection Stone extrapolates further and more completely, not just my unspoken, unconscious assumptions about the back of my head and what that must look like, but what it is like to be you. You. You are what it is like to be Albus Dumbledore, as imagined by Tom Riddle. "'Even so, the Resurrection Stone has its shortcomings,' Riddle continues. "'As if he hadn't laid a hex against your heart. "'I was able to supplement you with the neem left in your office. "'And if Cadmus was a Legilimens, then I am a better one, "'better acquainted with the shape of a person's mind. "'And even so?' Despite all my efforts, you are not a perfect facsimile of Albus Dumbledore. If Cadmus Peverell really was trying to resurrect his lover, then I'm not surprised that the end result drove him to suicide, Riddle says. This answers many questions. I never rid myself of the memory, but I still revisit our last duel from time to time. Sometimes I use the Resurrection Stone to experience it more vividly, without the awareness that all of this has already happened, so that I may look upon it with fresh eyes. In the final moments of the duel, I peered into your mind. I did not see all that you concealed, but I saw the concealment. You were correct from the beginning. The Elder Wand will not accept a voluntary transfer." I did not earn its loyalty. "'But you killed me,' you say. "'You killed the real Albus?' "'No. "'I fought the real Albus tonight, "'in the skin of Alastair Moody, "'which he doubtless wore in honour of the man "'that I killed at Hogwarts fifteen years ago. "'As you said,' he says, close to laughing.' "'Hairs can last a very long time. "'I can see his plan now, goading me into another fight, "'confident and armed with a weapon "'that I wouldn't expect to turn on me "'at the crucial moment. "'And then I sealed Britain, "'and he could only wait and plot, "'and do what little he could to prepare "'for the day that he could reach me again.' "'Riddle frowns. "'This is not an ideal time for Albus Dumbledore to be alive. "'But it is what it is. "'I originally planned to maintain the partition for forty-nine years, "'to let a generation be raised by a generation "'that had known nothing but the new Britain. "'But had I known that Albus Dumbledore was still alive, "'Britain would still have had to rejoin the world ahead of schedule.' Lest he sicken and die and rob me of the Elder Wand in that manner. He shrugs as if the problem simply had to be slipped off his shoulders. You think back to what you remember, or think you remember, of your time outside these meetings. If everything that I am, everything that I remember and experience, is under your control... Then, why did you give to me memories of a good and peaceful afterlife? Why not damn me to hell? Your memories of the afterlife are merely that memories. The time that you spend away from me does not exist. You do not experience it except in retrospect with loss and longing that remains with you for as long as we are together, Riddle explains. To allow you to recollect hell would make your time here into a salve. But I needed you to suffer. Do you truly hate me that much? Once more he sighs. And do you think that his disappointment is real, not merely rhetorical? All this time, and you still do not understand. Is that an intrinsic flaw of yours? Or am I simply unable to imagine a version of you that could come to understand me? Regardless, I will say it plainly, there is no refinement outside the refiner's fire. Riddle touches the edge of his mask by the ends of his fingers. It was one of my great regrets that I had to kill you that I could not immortalize that which was great about you. But serendipity has given me a second chance. He presses the mask against his face, and his voice crackles like a hundred locust wings. I will save you, Albus. There is nothing to. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the archive of our own page of Call Me Salticide. The music is Amon Ra by Dayswitch, under a Creative Commons license, with assistance from 1T1. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website,